This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. Why is it okay for a patient to wait three months to, to see a specialist? Like we, we, we would get nervous in 10 minutes if it was sort of the influenza season and in the Chicago market and you don't have to solve every problem but you should have that first touch point very much earlier in the journey. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. And I realized at that, at that point that um, the biggest competitor still is the status quo, and it will probably always be. Welcome to Gastro Broadcast, presented by Tissue Cipher from Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Matthew. My guest today is Dr. Russ Arjol, who is the co-founder Chief Medical Officer and President of Telebelly, a virtual GI clinic offering remote care to patients. I'm excited to speak with Dr. Arjul about how Telebelly provides nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and medical assistants to support GI practices in their patients. Dr. Arjul, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Lisa, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Um, well, we always like to start by getting to know our guests. How did you choose a career in medicine and when did you decide to become a gastroenterologist? Yeah, you know, it's, I was one of these kids that decided early on that I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, and part of it, I think, was I was, we immigrated from Nepal to the U.S. when I was about two, two and a half. And I lived in a, a multi-generational household in the, in the Denver suburbs. And both my grandfather and my mother both had wanted to become physicians, but just didn't have the opportunity. So I, I think that certainly influenced me. And um, for as long as, I can't remember the exact moment, but for as long as I really can recall, I, I wanted to go into medicine and you know thought of it as a great privilege and opportunity. And then as far as GI, I, I was in medical school in New York um, and was in the Bronx doing clinical rotations and just saw the most interesting stuff. And I just thought it was the, by far, the only thing that got my attention, um, you know, was GI. So I wouldn't, I just thought it was fascinating from second or third year of medical school on and really went into internship uh, with the idea that the only thing I wanted to be was a gastroenterologist, just based purely on what I saw. And, you know, it was the right call. <laughs> GI is always an adventure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, a few years ago, you left a private practice in Washington state to start Telebelly. Uh, tell us about the company and the services you provide. Yeah, so I uh, was for many years um, part of the leadership team at Puget Sound Gastroenterology, which is a, a lar- was a large community-based practice in the Seattle market, and then joined the leadership of Gastro Health after we were acquired in 2019, and enjoyed all of that. But left in 2021, uh, really because I I had this this idea that I couldn't get out of my head um, that had been, I don't want to say weighing on me, but it was something I just felt I had to do. And I thought I had to start something new to do it. And that is, I wanted to start a GI company that was really focused on on two things. One was just accelerate access to care. I just thought it was way too hard to get GI care. And I thought it was a solvable problem, but we had to look around the corner and, and think about it differently. And, and two, in my entire career, and I finished my fellowship in 2008 so that you know for almost 15 years the technology really hadn't helped me in any way uh it had been a hindrance and 
And I thought there was opportunity there to bring technology into the fold and really have tech-enabled services that where tech and technology actually helped the clinician. So that was really the reason I started Telebelly. And, and what we've done since then is, is partner with GI practices to really increase their clinic capacity with remote supports. And we use GI trains, advanced practice providers. We've been really fortunate. There's been a lot of interest in these positions and we interview a really small percentage of of who is interested in joining our platform. And what we do is we partner with groups. That's always been our intent was to help our, to help brick and mortar partners. We see patients on their behalf and we are a white labeled offering, meaning to the patients, our providers are members of that practice and they extend the clinic capacity offer evening hours, weekend hours. And that's really our main, our first product that we rolled out in late 2022, um, have seen, you know, over 10,000 patients on that just as an initial product in multiple markets. And it's been, I think, a tremendous success. Now that we know that we're doing the work and can do the work and partner effectively and, and help both practices and patients out, we've rolled out other products. We have an on-demand service that we've just started in Washington State where patients can immediately through a link on a, on a website or a QR code or, or whatever the source, see a GI provider in minutes. And and that's something that I've always thought should be the goal of that we really should think about access to specialty care in the time for a minutes, not not months as it often is now. And so we're offering an on-demand clinic, which has been really fun and interesting to see how it works. And we also have a our third product is an open access, a digitized open access program that we have in 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 several markets that it is user-friendly, consumer-centric and with the goal of, of creating an experience that feels more like an, I hate to say it, like a dinner reservation, like an open table experience, rather than the manual process like it is now of scheduling colonoscopy. We think this will be attractive to patients and just another way we can accelerate access, make it easier for patients to, to access uh, brick and mortar GI care. That's incredible. I mean, it sounds like you've really innovated to, as you said, use technology to to really work better on behalf of, of gastroenterologists and importantly, patients seeking GI care. Could you expand a little bit more upon how these relationships work um, in partnership with brick and mortar practices? Yeah. And so what we, when we first came out, I'll give you sort of a longer answer because it's, um, we, we really came out with an idea that was against the grain where investors, some of the early backers of our company who, and, and just venture capital in general, I think thought that us partnering with practices would slow our ability to scale, that it was not necessarily the best business decision to start, but we really thought it was the right, just clinical decision that we thought the majority of patients would at some point need to have brick and mortar care and they couldn't offer a GI clinic just in the sky without good partnership. So. What we did was we went to where the patients were waiting, which was outside the door of GI practices. And we partnered with practices. We assigned billing rights to practices. So there was a win-win proposition for both patients and practices. And we mirrored the operational, basically workflows of these practices. And and then over time, as we you know moved from market to market, we, we fine-tuned some of that. But that's really what we did. We went not to payers, not to not to employers, we went directly to brick and mortar practices. The idea that we could help 
both patient, their patients and, and practices. And we thought the easiest way to do that would be just to assign billing rights and, and to just plug in as a turnkey service. And as a part of that, we knew that one, we needed technology to help support our APPs, which we built out, which has been, um, you know, I think a real success for us. And also we knew that we had to contribute to supervision. So we have several GI doctors whose sole purpose uh, is to provide real-time support to our APPs when they run into difficult clinical situations. And with the idea that we're taking some of the burden off clinicians who are already, you know, as we all know, busy enough doing what they have to do to get through the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you've been very thoughtful and responsible about how you grow. I'm curious, you know, many private practices use uh, different platforms for telehealth. Does Telebelly have its own platform or can practices use their existing platforms to partner with Telebelly? Yeah, so it's a mixture of both. So we, at for the telehealth clinic, uh, uh, to go from zero to one and just for full visibility for both practices and for us and our APPs and, and to really demonstrate that we could do the work, uh, we really just barely documenting in the practice EMR and the instance their EMR and, and making it just as turnkey and seamless as possible. We do have our own platform for our on-demand services. Uh, again, we will be integrating that into practice EMRs and we have our uh, our open access program is, is, an, is a separate platform. So it's a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, the waivers for coverage uh, that were put in place for telehealth services during the COVID pandemic are now coming under some scrutiny um, in the future of telehealth, as you know, is being actively debated in Congress. Um, what really do you foresee happening to telehealth in the future? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time. And we, you know, we are leaning into this idea that you're not going to put the, the genie back in the bottle. Uh, patients, one, I think really, one, this is one of the few things I think that can get bicameral, bipartisan agreements uh, is that telehealth is, is something patients and patients want. Uh, we also just think access is the biggest issue overall. And over time, I, I'm, I'm bullish on the fact that telehealth will be here to say in some format. It doesn't mean there will be changes, but I don't see us going back to a pre-pandemic state of, of being. And, and of course, telehealth will still be used then. Uh, so do I think it's going to be 80% of patients seeing now? But I, I do think it'll be a sizable majority. And I think there'll be some regulatory hurdles to clear, but I think in, in general, the regulation is going to follow, you know, follow the people. And so we are bullish on the fact that the regulation will soften over time. It'll become more sensible, more pragmatic. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident on that based on what I hear. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I think telehealth has been one of those, um, phenomenon that, uh, really gained a lot of, of steam during the COVID pandemic. Um, really as a value add for for American medicine. Um, I think it's convenient for patients, it's convenient for providers, and we have good, reliable technology that allow it to be high quality way to deliver care. Uh, Looking looking out into the future over the next two to five years, where do you think private practice GI is heading? Look into your crystal ball, tell us what you see. Oh, this is the fun question. Uh, I uh... (laughs) am. I think it's a really interesting time. I, I think private practice GI will thrive. I mean, we 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 first and foremost we we partnered with independent groups at the outset because they are innovative and they know how to survive in sometimes a difficult environment. They know how to to, to grow, right? Um, I think that'll continue to be the case. I do think 
that there'll be more consolidation. And, and that's a function of just the environments and the, the pressures on the business model. Um, and private practice will adapt and survive. I, I do think there'll be market makers. I think in a given market, uh, patients want something different and the practices that offer these access to care will probably win those markets. Um, and that may, you know, there will be some winners and losers. Um, and lastly, I, I do think in five years though, it will be a, a more competitive playing field. I, 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 when I, when I, I look at the space differently now that I am part of a company that is in the venture space, there's a ton of interest in GI because of the total addressable market and the market inefficiencies. It's just lots of it. And there'll be lots of companies, digital companies that, that come into the fold. I think one thing that as a field um, that we'll have to be wary of is, is disintermediation. So I think we got to make sure that, you know, we have a voice that we engage with stakeholders. I think it's important for societies to, to, you know, widen the aperture a little bit about who's in the space. Because I, what I see is multiple digital companies probably entering into GI, uh, which, you know, I think is a good thing in general, but they may have a different viewpoint on how to address patient concerns than a brick and mortar practice. So that's a long winded answer. So that I think GI will do well, but I don't know if every group will do well. Uh, in five years and the groups will be bigger and the groups that win the markets will be the more innovative ones. Right. Be innovative, be agile and keep your focus on providing really high quality care that brings value to people's lives. Um, I love that. It's it's fascinating to kind of peer into the future a little bit and get a sense of how others view our profession. Um and I, I tend to agree. I think there's so much opportunity. It's a really wonderful time to be practicing medicine, frankly. What advice do you have for young people who might want to follow the same path as you? Uh, you know, have a beginner's mindset. I mean, I was very naive when I left my group. Uh, people thought I was crazy. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think I was crazy. I think I was just naive. Um, but, um, but I went into, and I don't regret it for a minute. I learned so much, enjoyed it, love building something new and have built and just have just a wonderful team and have just met some just very talented people that see the world differently than me. Um, so when I say, say it, uh, you know, that I was naive, I don't say that in a negative way. I'm glad I was, I was naive, uh, because it was comfortable where I was for a long time, but I think younger dogs, and I've had a lot of, uh, inputs over the last year from younger dogs to to learn about the digital space because it is different. Uh, I, I think people should think and have a view that what they're doing now will be disrupted in their careers. And I think that they should actively embrace that's going to happen and think of that as a positive and not a negative and understand GI and just understand sort of macro trends and understand private equity and understand venture capital and understand business and, and focus on that. Ideally, I think it should be a part of training. I think, it, you know, I, I was a fellow at a wonderful program at the University of Colorado. It just wasn't a part of what we did. Um, but I think someday it will be, is my guess. And so I would say embrace the change and and read sources, listen to podcasts outside of, of just clinical work and expand, have a beginner's mindset uh, and expect that your life will be different probably in five to 10 years than it is now and, and think that's a good thing. Yep. Keep riding the waves. 
keep having adventures. <laughs> it's really um, gratifying to see how you've married your um, really deep love of medicine with this desire to innovate and to bridge into other disciplines. Um, you seem to be in a really fascinating space. You know, the last thing I would say is I still had a very sort of traditional mindset up until six to 12 months ago. Why is it okay for a patient to wait three months to, to see a specialist? Like we, we, we would get nervous in 10 minutes if it was sort of the influenza season and in the Chicago market. And you don't have to solve every problem, but you should have that first touch point very much earlier in the journey. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. And I realized that at that point that um, the biggest competitor still is the status quo and it will probably always be. And so I've learned a lot going back to that. And, um, and you know, I, I still, of course, have a lot more to learn, but it's been a super fun journey. I'd encourage anybody else who's thinking about starting a company, do it. Uh, I would do that before getting an MBA. You'll learn far more by just getting into, into the trenches and, and grinding it out. And, and you know, you'll understand your own space better and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll learn a great deal. And you know, you'll fail a little bit too. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Straight into the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, where can our listeners uh, find out more about Telebelly? You can go to telebelly.com or, you know, we're, we're a, still a pretty small outfit. You can just email me at russ at telebelly.com and, um, you can ask me anything. I'd be happy to answer. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Arjul. This has truly been a pleasure. Lisa, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit gastrobroadcast.com. Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.